You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcasts. If you're following on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, that's A-M-P-I-R-E. And don't forget, on Tuesday night, I'll do a live stream with Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commander, 7.30 Eastern Time. We're going to have a lot to talk about because we're going to talk with the players on Monday and we're going to talk with Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew on Tuesday. So there's going to be a lot to discuss Tuesday night. Join us there. We're going to look ahead to the offseason, et cetera. Right here, you know who this is. It's Nikki Javala from the Washington Post. We're going to wrap up. I don't even know how to. We're going to wrap up the final day because the game doesn't really matter. And as I predicted in my key, my prediction on, on Friday, that Washington would win easily because you know I predicted that. Whatever I said on there, don't believe it. I did <laughs> predict it. You know, Nikki heard me. I think you heard me say that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I predicted the same thing yeah. for what it's so, worth. Anyways. But we're going to talk about Sam Howell, but it's also some bigger topic issues to get into. And I want to start with there, Nikki, because the biggest story is ownership. Sure. Was this the last game for Dan Snyder's owner? Yeah. Now, I know you had a chance to go around and talking to fans. What was yeah. their reaction before the game? Yeah, I, I was a little surprised because I got some mixed reactions. You know, there are some fans who were like, you know, the grass is not always greener. The uncertainty gives us a little pause. And, you know, a lot of fans spoke highly of Tanya Snyder and the charitable efforts she's she's made and, you know, how fan friendly she is. But there were definitely some were like, yes, we've been waiting for this moment. Can't wait. Praise God, you know, that literally that type of thing where, you know, the the changing of the guard, so to speak, is something they really never thought would happen. It seems to be coming to a fruition. Maybe we'll see um, this offseason. As we know, Dan Snyder was not in attendance today. I think yeah. that's at least two of the last three games that yeah. he missed here. Yeah. Did you expect a little bit more of a scene even during the game or at some point late in the game from fans or anything like that? Um, not really. I think a lot of it was because of the flow of the game too. I mean, they were, they were crushing the Cowboys. So they had very little to be upset about, you know, just with the game stuff. Um, in fact, it kind of felt like a more of a celebration throughout the stadium, even pregame. I mean, they had concerts, fans were dancing, Cowboys fans too, you know, the usual tailgating, um, of course, the Sonny Jurgensen tribute, which I thought was really well done. Um, so there were more moments of celebration, honestly, even though they're out of the playoffs. And I think a lot of it is because they were winning, you know, Sam Howell gives a little bit of hope. The possible exit of Dan Snyder gives a little bit of hope. So, and, and for the timeline here, we are kind of looking at like the earliest anything would get approved would be late March at the owner's meeting. So, but we, you know, there's a good chance we'll hear something before then about who may be sure. the likely owner but there's just so much uncertainty with this like what do you think is the biggest uncertainty with this i mean you've got coaches we got all that yeah. stuff yeah i mean I, i'd say ownership is is number one because you never know what a new owner will do when you know he or she comes in um you know i think 
timing wise, I think Ron Rivera, he gets another year um, just because a, a new owner won't be, like you said, won't be in place until late March at the earliest. And by then the hiring firing cycle for head coaches is well over with. You can't, you can't redo after that point. But I, I do think Ron is going to have to make some significant changes to his staff and will make changes. You know, the first person I look at is, is Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, obviously there's some frustration with the play calling across the board, fans, players alike. Um, so I, you know, I think I think he could be gone. We'll see. Um, you know, and possibly some other positional coaches as well. Um, he's got to do something to kind of jumpstart things. Right. I mean, if to me, if you make a change at offense coordinator, you're probably gonna make some more to the offensive right. staff because whoever right. comes in would be more likely to bring their own people. And it does sound like what the couple things we don't know with that is what kind of authority is there to make a change? Yeah. And when can you make that change? Right. Because unless until Ron Rivera meets with Dan Snyder, I don't know that he can just go summarily do anything. I don't know. Right. It does sound like this could be, I'd say sooner rather than later. Yeah. I don't think anything with Scott Turner is going to drag on. Right. Um, and I do think today was a big day for him. How they view it, I don't know, but I do think it was a big day for him. But you bring up the frustration, and I think it is was interesting because I know the Washington Post had the story about that. You know, we both talked to people about the frustration, and it was kind of interesting that it was starting to come out last week. Right. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, uh, to have losses the way they have, and honestly, it started over the last few weeks, you know, when they've had you know, the, the three losses and the tide and that basically derailed their season. So, um, yeah, guys are, guys have been frustrated for quite some time. Um, so yeah, we, we heard more of that definitely this past week that, you know, the, the loss to Cleveland that officially eliminated their chance at a playoffs hopes, you know, in conjunction with the, the green Bay win, um, you know, and guys have, guys have been pretty vocal about it. They were, they were. And I think last week it kind of comes to a head because they were eliminated. Yeah. So I think there's been frustration. You've heard it. Yeah. There's been grumbling throughout. Last week is a little bit more where I think yeah. they're a little bit more willing to share a little bit more of those frustrations, why there were frustrations. Right. And so sometimes like you can't, it's hard to report all that or even express a lot of that right. until you know a little bit more. And is it how widespread is it? Right. And right. you always have to take into account one thing we know at this time of year, what happens anytime you start to lose, there's a, the fingers start going. Right. And so you always have to take that into account. But there was more widespread frustration, I yeah. think, with this one. And to me, and you can tell me what you've heard, too. What, what One thing you hear is the you know, want a better teaching. Right. Better teaching. Right. Um, I talked to somebody outside here who felt like they would, they call the series of plays, not an offense necessarily. Right. Right. Where's the identity on offense? Right. You know, why would it take so long to get McLaurin the ball at times? So right. those are some of the things you hear in a nutshell. What are some of the things you were here? Yeah. A lot of it is um, predictability. Yeah. Players feel like, you know, the opposing defenses knew what they were going to run. A lot of times, not enough disguise there. Um, you know, a lot of times they felt like they found something that worked and then would immediately move away from that. Like they, they got in a good rhythm with Brian Robinson and then suddenly just moved away from it with like, a, and I don't mean to put this on Curtis Samuel, but for example, just, you know, pitching the ball to Curtis Samuel on a random play and losing in yardage, the red zone. Right. And, and losing yardage, losing momentum, um, you know, running the ball, getting up to midfield, which is not an easy task, especially for this team, it feels like. And then randomly running a trick play at midfield, which they've done quite a bit, or, or taking an unnecessary shot, which, you know, you want to take deep shots, but you got to be mindful of the risk too. Um, 
so a lot of those types of frustrations um you know and, and losing yeah like you said it, it brings it out of players always, you know? it always and, brings it out and i i thought the most the simplest one is the most obvious you know they feel like they have too much talent on this team to be scoring only 10 points or however many they've been scoring you know like they have too much talent i think this year especially probably couldn't argue it in 2020 but this year with that receiving core their backs you know their tight ends who were not involved very much this this season yeah, I think it's reasonable to argue that they have talent. They do. And it's funny because, again, I was talking to somebody who their point was, while they have talent, does the talent always match what they want to do and right. the style they want to do it? So right. while you have these good parts here, does it match the parts over here? Right. Does it match what Brian Robinson runs best? So there's right. some. So that's coming from outside the organization more so than inside. Right. But I do think there was, there was definitely frustration. And I think it's going to be for Ron Rivera has to decide. And one thing he we know he does is he will talk to team leaders. So I'll be curious to see what comes out. I was talking to someone player, like, cause he met with a lot of the team leaders over the last couple of weeks. I asked somebody like, was that part of the discussion? He's like, no, it was just all about the quarterbacks, yeah. but they do have exit meetings. Yeah. So I'm going to guarantee that this stuff is going to come up there. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And, and here's the thing. It's, it's not all on Scott. Right. I mean, how many quarterbacks did he deal with? Um, Eight. Yeah. I mean, there are a number of injuries. All the teams face injuries. Um, it's not all on him. There have been issues with communication issues with just pure execution by the players too. Um, so it's not all on Scott, but I, I think a lot of the overall management of the offense has, has caused reasons for gripes. Um, and there is room for change there for sure. Well, I think at the end of the day, I don't know why I hate, I don't like that phrase, but at the end of the day, yeah. we know that there's frustration. Yeah. So we, you wonder, what does that mean? Right. Is it going to improve? Can you sit, you know, is there going to be, did, did Ron Rivera see growth in him as a play caller at all? Yeah. I think the other factor is Ron Rivera coached for his dad right. in San Diego. And after he got fired from, let go from Chicago and he, and North Turner coached with right. Rivera in Carolina. So there are de- some deep ties there, but I think at this point, whatever you just, if, if you want to make move, the only question you have to ask is what's best for the organization right. going forward. And, you know, if you, you know, it, I don't know, I think, and we clearly, again, it, it, you're Nikki's right. It's not all on any, I, I would get comments in there sometimes like the offensive line sucks. The quarterback sucks. Fire the coordinator. Right. Well, you can't like, you can't have it all, but I think the hard part is you, what you have to look at is not just one year. It's, what have you thought over the three years? Right. Have you seen the kind of growth as a play caller that you need to see? And when some one player said something about like, why well, I, I want it to be taught better. I said, yeah. well, after this much time, yeah. what do you think the chances of that happening right. are? And that, you know, you want to be better teaching. So like, if that's what it is, then you either are or you're not. And so that's one thing I think that will be curious to see are, how much gets, does that get taken right. into consideration? And then, and then also, and this is, this is again, you know, something other teams face as well is that system is what it is. It's, it's predicated on explosive plays. You got to have the right personnel. And if you don't have the right personnel, you got to find some way to tweak it. And it didn't feel like they, they did that. Um, And that's a hard thing to do when you got quarterbacks rotating in and out. Um, But I, I think they have to find something that's more quarterback friendly, more tailored to their personnel. Um, for them to have a real chance because it felt a lot of times like they were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. The NFL playoff picture is locked in and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place an NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet the NFL playoffs anywhere else? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, and that's where you go back to, then we start looking at roster construction. And the way the line was built, to me, was a problem. And then... You know, I certainly think losing Robinson early was an issue, but because they ne- but they never found their identity. It took them a while. So I think there were some other issues with that, and the quarterback play needed to be better. But yeah. when you when you go out and you watch Brock Purdy do what he's doing in Carol in San Francisco, and you see some other teams like Pittsburgh who was winning won games with with Kenny Pickett. Right. I mean, so like there are you can compensate. So how do you get there? And if you're calling the right plays, doing this like. Sometimes you just yeah. don't have the talent. I remember going back in the day when Kyle Shannon was here and it was 2011. And I remember there are a lot of fans who wanted him run out of town, but his offense, you could see that it worked. You could see the cohesion with it. And when you talk to players, you would hear that from them. So that's, that's to me is what I think Rivera is going to have to take into, you know, whatever decision he makes, you know, if you think, did you see, again, did you see signs of growth? Do you feel like you're on that so-called same page? Because right. sometimes I wonder about that too, Nikki. Are they on that same page? Because right. Rivera wants to be a power run inside right. team. And there are times with Scott, like, you know, that he wants a more vertical passing attack. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, going back to the offensive line, I think so many times you're, I, at least for me, I was watching the team and, you know, they, they love going empty and I'm thinking you can't protect an empty, <laughs> but I, you know, going back to even last season, um, you know, I think one of the more egregious moves of, of this team and, you know, everything's clear in hindsight. Um, and they, they had to part with Brandon Sheriff. They just couldn't afford him. Eric flowers, you know, he turned down multiple. Offers. And, exactly. And it, Eric flowers had a good year, but they had a, they had to make salary cuts and, you know, he, it's not like he signed anywhere else. Um, but to think that Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner at this point in their career would be serviceable replacements is just, you know, that, that really State. hurt. Yeah. And, and that was they, something we've talked about for a long time. Yeah. And then I, I think, you know, a lot of us underestimated the the impact of the injuries at center. I mean, it's been the second year in a row where they've lost that many centers, but, you know, having a reliable, consistent person there, which Chase Rulier is when he's healthy. Tyler um, Larson too, when he's healthy. Tyler Larson too. And to lose both of them was, was really tough. Yeah. And I think that's going to be, I believe it'll be a priority. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm sure I said linebacker would be a priority because yeah. that's what you heard. And then they settled on Holcomb and Davis and that's yeah. fine. But I do think like, I do know that line is a priority. And so I would it be, be, it has to be. And I'd be shocked if you don't, whatever it's free agency, whether it's a draft yeah. and then it's a matter of, do you think Ruye or Larson will be healthy? If right. so, who are you keeping? Right. Because, and I think then, you know, they, I think they feel good that Schweitzer got through healthy. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm, I think they're going to strongly consider putting yeah. cosmic guard. So then, but you still have to fix that line. Exactly. So. Exactly. I think one of the, one of the positive things to come out of this season, I'm just going to segue for you since you're not doing it yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think one of the positive things really is the secondary. I, I really am bullish on that group because it's, 
composed of mostly young guys. I think Kendall Fuller had an outstanding season. I mean, he, he capped it off with a heck of a game here. Um, you know, and, and to have young corner like Benjamin St. Juice, I think their safeties, I really like their safeties group. We'll see what they do with Bobby McCain. But Derek Forrest really coming into his own. I think Percy Butler has a good future. Um, and and of course, Cam Curl, I mean, having him back there. So I think their secondary is could become kind of the star of, of this team outside of their defensive line, depending on what they do there, obviously, with Deron Payne. Um, but I, so, yeah, I, I think that was a high point of this season, just seeing that group really develop and come into its own. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think they need to go get another corner. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you need to get a physical corner who's got some size. Um, St. Juice does a great job defending the defending the pass. I think his run D is like, that's where it's like, but that's okay. Like, he's really good defending the pass. He's good at that. And he's, you know, he'll come up and all that. But I, like a back yes. Yeah. yeah. What, but but but, but I think I like what they're building there. But I again, especially corner depth, you need linebacker depth. I think yes. you need now. Khalid Hudson had a terrific game today, and that was nice to see. And I will say because he had a tough week yeah. with um uh, with Demar Hamlin. Yeah. You know, with the issue that's a close friend of his, like you said. Mm-hmm. I'm so good to see him go out in a game like that in a week like this, like, you know, he was playing for something more. And so that's cool to see, but they're still going to need to address that spot um, to get there. But I think what we have to get to now, because it's what I bury the one reason we wanted to watch today was the quarterback and Sam Howell. What did you take away from today for him? I thought he was, I thought he was impressive, you know, um, I, I don't think it was, I think he looked a lot like a rookie and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but you know, there it's his first game. There are going to be mistakes. You know, the the interception into triple coverage in the end zone that was the most prominent one. But you look at that that fifty two yard throw. I mean, I think somebody said it on Twitter that you know that is that is a throw that Taylor Heineke can't make and a one that Carson Wentz will miss. And that's and that's what you get. It's honest. It's true. Um, you know, I I don't think one game can predict a whole future with Heineke though. Oh, no, no, Canton. What... This is Canton Bob. <laughs> But it can kind of give you that glimpse and it could solidify his place, you know, as as the starter or the backup, you know, depending on what happens. So I think he was an intriguing player to me going into this. And I was intrigued to see him going next year, see where he's developed. The couple things that I really liked that I saw from him today, you brought the 52 yard pass. I love the fact that he looks off the safety. Then the safety doesn't necessarily move, but he holds the safety because he's looking to his left, holds the safety. And the safety doesn't bite hard Look when he looks left, yeah. but he's got the arm to get it down there on a rope, and, and the safety doesn't make the play. So it was a beautiful throw, but I just liked his process on that play. The other play, the, the other throw, uh, there's two other things. The other throw I really liked was the one to Jahan Dotson, the 22-yarder. And I liked it two two reasons. One, I thought Dotson made a terrific move on that. He creates separation. but So he creates about a yard and a half, two-yard separation. But what gave him the ability to turn and run was the throw. Yeah. The throw is on the outside. He puts it away from the defensive back yeah. and takes him into that into that yeah. run. He does not get that, you know, with right. some of the other, you know, I just I don't think anybody else is getting that. Right. So for whatever for a variety of reasons, but I think like that. And then the then the runs. And right. I loved the, the run. The mobility was big yeah. and it wasn't just that he ran the ball. I felt like his vision was really good yeah. too. And even on the touchdown, the cut, it was, it was a plant and cut. Right. Like you don't see that, but right. that was just there. He plays with that. I don't know if it's swagger with it or if it's, it's just, a moxie. Yeah. it's a bit of Heineke moxie. And I, I think there are parallels between this game and that Tampa Bay playoff game with Heineke. They're different players, no doubt. 
Um, but I think that mobility is key. And, you know, going into last offseason when they traded for Wentz, I just, you know, nothing against Wentz personally, but the the fact that they went after a pure pocket passer because he's he doesn't have the mobility he had in 2017 just doesn't make sense in this day and age in the NFL anymore. You got to have that dual threat guy right now. Could always turn back, but I just feel like it's so necessary and it helps the offensive line so much. And the, and the offensive line, they're like, they, they impressed him. Yeah. And I think, you know, even there, there are a lot of stuff that we're not going to know about how some of the intricacies of it, but like he even blamed himself for a couple of sacks. Sometimes it could be the depth of your drops, okay. et cetera. But I felt like the other thing is he certainly was not overwhelmed. I mean, yeah. we heard for a long time, like, well, he's not ready. He's not ready. Right. He did not look overwhelmed. Did look and like no, he didn't. And the couple of things I heard from, I asked one person with the um, staff, like, what'd you think? Consistency and mental toughness. So like, they felt like he just handled things well. He throws the interception, doesn't let him get him down. He goes back out there. Huge. Yeah, that, that was huge. And so there's a lot of those little yeah. things that's like, okay, yeah. can you build on this? Right. You know, you, you think about the defense he's going up against in, in a game that matters for them, but doesn't necessarily matter for his team. Like, you know, he didn't this is his guys. He didn't have this. was a tough game. This is a really tough game. And he he stepped in, didn't look rattled, um, and, and did his thing. So yeah, you got to give him credit there. And I what I liked is he, you know, he had his rookie moments, I'd say, but he didn't look reckless. No. You know, it wasn't a cocky, overly confident. He didn't look him. like Dak Prescott today. <laughs> Correct. Seriously. I know. Dak yeah, looked terrible. Yeah, no, he looked he was definitely the better quarterback out there, and, hands down. Yeah, and it's and it's funny. So I don't know you can't change your approach for based on one game. Right. I don't think for the offseason, but I think you can be encouraged by, Hey, if nothing else, you can, this guy can do maybe X right. if he can develop that. Cause they do think he's smart, you know, and, and all that. So, but you know, what do you think we're so far from all this stuff? Right. How much does it alter? I and mean, we talked to Taylor afterwards too. Taylor's a free agent. So, yeah. you know, how much does, does this alter anything you think? I think it alters anything in that. You know, they 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 know that he can step in and, and hold his own in a game. And yes, it's just one game. Um, you don't know what that means for consistency sake, because you only have a small sample size. Um, but he showed enough to intrigue, and I think that intrigue is enough to help him at least become a backup next season, you know, which is a big step from a kid that was, you know, third string and never got into the game until this week. Um you know, and I I think it could have more serious implications for Taylor Heineke. I mean, he certainly seemed he certainly seemed to view this game as his last, given his emotion walking off the field. I'm sure there's some interest in in keeping him, but a lot of that is dependent on Sam Howell. Do they view him as a backup? Does Taylor have other options? Does he have a starting option? Does what will the money be? Um, and I don't know that there would be as many options um, if there weren't Sam Howell. If he didn't have the game he did, I think there'd be much more stronger interest right absolutely and i think for taylor it's going to depend what role do they see from here right. also what's the plan because are yeah. you you know if, like hey we'd like to have you and you and then we're going to go get another quarterback or draft a guy then like okay you're going to draft someone what round right. then that depends i think that all factors into his yeah. decision as well and i don't blame him but i also think he i think this place obviously is going to mean something to him this is why he kind of walked off the field the way he did and why he was talking to us afterwards about that so he definitely is going to mean something to him we did not talk to carson wentz afterwards hopefully we talked to him on monday yes. to to get his thoughts on what you know clearly he's not going to be here so yeah. be interesting time here nikki and i guess the last thing too is does this you know what does this win 
do. I mean, and, yeah, and I mean, to the point too, and I think the other thing that needs to be pointed out, like that defensive line, you're missing John Allen. Right? They played really well. They the did. linebackers are just backups. They played really well. Right. It was fun to see Percy Butler had a couple of plays where he's flying around, right. making a couple of tackles out and for a loss. So like there were some, I guess for them, some energetic, fun things to watch. And it's kind of like, well, <laughs> Where and that's I? where I feel like it could have the biggest impact is that year one to year two for a lot of these younger guys is just building that confidence. I mean, you look at year one to year two for guys like Derek Forrest, Benjamin St. Juice, that could have a huge difference. And they too played sparingly in their first year. So to get this kind of confidence, roll it into next season, you know, it's not the same as like an in-game momentum, but to know that they belong out there, they can make these plays, I think is huge. It's huge for depth. It's huge for future starter talent. Um, and, and hopefully they can build on it. You know, there's so much uncertainty going into this offseason, more than I feel like there ever has been, even though they kind of laid the foundation with a lot of young players. Right, absolutely. And and it wasn't seven wins. Right. So it was eight wins. Right. So there you Finally, go. We're not, you know. Go crazy, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that's it from FedEx Field for the last time this season. Thanks to Nikki for joining me. And Nikki, tell them where they can find you. On Twitter at Nikki Javala or at WashingtonPost.com slash sports. There you go. Thanks for joining me. Again, thanks, Nikki. And again, Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern time with the Voice of the Commanders, the live stream show. Join us there. Bring your questions. There's a lot going to go happen this offseason and lots going to be talked about over the next couple of days. Join us there and I'll talk to you next time.